Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Dao De Jing to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach and business consultant. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist and coder. Good morning, Ian. Morning, David. It's good to see you. Good to see you.、Uh, we are in、uh, chapter sixty-five today, and、uh, we started our,、uh, you know, our reading of the texts. And、uh, really, the key concept in this chapter is around zhi.、Uh, you and I talked about it, and how you know what's the best English word to.、Uh, Uh, you know, to translate that zhi into English,、um, wisdom, knowledge, intelligence. So today,、uh, what I'm thinking about is、uh, for us to delve a little bit deeper、uh, into zhi, and especially how, through our you know、uh, life experience and also our observation of the world,、uh, what that zhi is and.、Uh, How can we uh, uh, how can we develop it and、um, and use it in a way that contributes, you know, to you know our well being personally and also contribute to the the betterment of the world. Sounds like a, a wonderful sentiment and a wonderful place for exploration. Great, great, great. So, just to get started,、uh, I'm curious about、uh, your take on this,、uh, you know, keyword zhi,、uh, because from our previous reading of other chapters and also especially this chapter,、uh, what do you think Lao Tzu's、uh, view of zhi? And and I'm also curious about,、uh, you know, whether you You know your take、uh, through your experience. You know, do you agree with him or do you disagree with him? You know, what, what's your take? Well, Lao Tzu's brief, and and with、yes. with with brevity, there's beauty, but there's also lots of room for confusion. Yes. yes. Or or if not confusion, at least multiple interpretations. Right. Ambiguities. Right. Yeah. And. And which is great too, right? Because I think if Lauza was black and white and didn't leave space for ambiguity, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And and so that particular question, what my take is on on Lauza's sure. I mean, he he kind of put it within the context of. Of governing in in chapter sixty five,、mm. and and it was a lot about wielding the power of juror when you're in a place of authority, and then the impact that that has on people.、Mm. So that context is important for us to understand this、uh, key concept. I think at least within chapter sixty five. Mm-hmm. That that's、mm-hmm. sort of the guiding principle there. I, I know you and I are 
going to talk about some other questions that maybe expands outside of just this governing context. Mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting too. But if I, if I were just going to put it within the context of of governing, Mm -hmm. I think that, that you can kind of look at it in, in two basic ways, which, which is sort of, um, the type of, of knowledge that we saw being put out over the past four or five years from um, soon to be former President Trump, which which really was was the opposite of, of knowledge. It, it was information, but it was essentially propaganda and mm-hmm. and, and lies based upon, baseless claims of um, election fraud, baseless claims of, um, you know, censorship of, of him mm-hmm. and, and a misrepresentation of him. I think if anything, most media was probably far too favorable to him and, and did not use the actual accurate words like lies for the, mm-hmm. the the knowledge that he was sharing, the juror that he was was sharing, that it wasn't until late in his presidency that the media even started saying, you know, for example, this is false. This is this is a false claim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they were too. Um, Accommodating to to his form of of jerk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so in, in that context, I think what Lao Tzu is saying is one hundred percent true. That basically, like, we shouldn't fill people's minds up with bullshit if we're in charge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. And so that I one hundred percent agree with. I think it gets more complicated when we're talking about how do we sort of, I mean, we we have to look at what the government does, not just through policy, but Mm -hmm. through um, laws that are passed. Mm -hmm. All of that is knowledge. All that is information. It gets reported on. And then that shapes Mm -hmm. the way that the populace thinks. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's clear that you can't completely, keep knowledge out of the minds of people, particularly in, in this day and age with the internet. And so, you know, when, when we, when we think about maybe another Taoist concept mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, of Wu Wei, mm-hmm. you know, are, are we cramming knowledge down people's throats, even if it's maybe accurate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or are we giving them just what they, they need to sort of live their lives in the way that they want to live. And and that's where I might have more agreement that we think about even at an organizational level, mm-hmm. we have these structures and, and some people argue that, you know, we, we shouldn't have hierarchical structures that we should have flat paradigms and right. that sort of thing. Um, I think that 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 there has to be some sort of order 
or, or and channels of communication. Otherwise, there's chaos and 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 people can get mired in you know debating things endlessly or again getting distracted with so much knowledge that they're not actually able to to function in performing their duties. And right. so thinking about it that way in the context of Wuwei, how can government deliver knowledge so that it gives people just the right amount of knowledge so that they feel that their needs are being met by the government, but mm-hmm. not so much knowledge that it becomes a burden? Right. I think that's a great question. I, I think uh, that's where the, uh, the, the art of governing is, right? How do you, how do you balance the two? Um, the society we are living in is, you know, by its own nature, uh, at least, uh, you know, in the West, it's more of a, a participatory, uh, you know, uh, form of government. So uh, you cannot uh, kind of keep people kind of totally in the dark, right? In order for them, uh, enable them to be, you know, part of that the democracy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think your question is a great one. Is how do you do that in such a way? There's such you know we 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 are experiencing the uh, information overload, right? With all yeah. sorts of information. Yes. And uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, we 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 have a limited uh, bandwidth uh, uh, to kind of process that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think in like a Laozi's age, you know, the society, let's kind of put ourselves in the shoes of, you know, the, the time he lived in. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he living, he's not living in a democracy, right? He's more living in, you know, more of a command, maybe like a pyramid type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pyramid form of uh uh, governments. Yeah. Why did he think that uh, you know, e zhi zhi guo, uh, kind of a governing through uh, whatever you call it, intelligence or knowledge, uh, can lead to disaster? You know, with that kind of structure and uh, you know, form of form of governing. That's the kind of question that when I'm asked it, it's, it makes me want to have that time machine mm. to go back and just like live a, live a week in, in that time as a vacation. I mean, we talk about traveling to different cultures in our day and age and how much mm-hmm. culture shock can come along with that. Mm-hmm. But we're, but we're still all living in the modern time and relatively Mm. There, there's a lot of familiarity. I mean, everyone has internet and cell phones and cars and right. um, and a general understanding of the difference between varying um, governmental structures. But to actually go back to that time, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be so shocking culturally that I, I don't think we could even fully appreciate how how unreal it would likely feel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and to answer that question it's 
it feels like anything short of a time machine isn't going to be a very good answer. Right, 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 right. But I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the same principles though, which is that, mm. I mean, if, if we're looking at government as essentially providing the basic needs for people for them to live their lives at, at the core we're talking about safety and and security and so i would say fundamentally you know are are we if we're wanting people to feel safe and secure do people really need need to know that our neighbors to the north are planning planning an an invasion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that while you know maybe that's going on for a couple of years this and and the government knows hey Mm -hmm. the people to the north are they they want to kill us right right does it actually help the common person to be aware of that to that level of detail or is it better for them just to kind of know like hey you know we're spending money to, you know, reinforce our, our security, you know, like you can tell them that to help hopefully make them feel more safe so that they can live their lives versus if you're telling them all of the details that then makes people nervous and anxious and distracted and they shut down, is that actually helping them? Yeah, what you're saying, uh, you know, led me to uh, remember, a, a, you know, a phrase like uh, "ignorance is bliss," right? Mm-hmm. That's a, in the uh, is an old English saying. Sometimes mm-hmm. I was wondering whether information, the new information, does lead to more anxiety. I know it it, it works in both ways. Sometimes, you know, uh, to know more, to understand mm-hmm. more. It helps uh, reduce our anxiety, but sometimes it it, it creates uh, more because you know more and you want to know even more. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, you know, back in those days, uh, you did you, you you do raise a, a very interesting scenario, which is, you know, as a ruler, do you limit that knowledge to a, you know, uh, to a small number of people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the common people, you just leave them alone, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of a choice. Because, you know, when you think about it, they live in a, a kind of an agriculture society, yeah. right? For them, I would imagine that the highest, what they value most is probably more of a peace yeah. and stability. That's the number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our age, we say we value that, but you know what we do, what we think every day. I feel like uh, there's definitely more than, as long as you know this, we don't get into war. Maybe we value, you know, uh, vitality or you know freedom or novelty or anything more than. That stability. I mean, how you know we, we are now. It's it's hard to go back to you know through time machine to go back there. Mm-hmm. But if we are kind of uh, reflecting on 
what we truly value uh, as individuals and, and also collectively. I don't feel peace and stability is the number one un until <laughs> that gets threatened. You know, that, mm -hmm. that is in jeopardy. We, we almost like say, oh, that's, you know, uh, that's, that's a given, right? Mm -hmm. And on that basis, we're pursuing other things, mm -hmm. which when we are pursuing it, you know, whatever we are pursuing may jeopardize that foundation of peace mm -hmm. and stability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have I have a lot of thoughts uh, in, in that regard, and 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 maybe I'll just kind of come out with them, and then maybe you can kind of pull out what's salient to you. But I, I think you know on on the most basic level, mm -hmm. you know ignorance of our own death and mortality would clearly be a bliss. If, if we didn't know anything about the fact that we're going to die, that our loved ones are going to die and kind of lose everything, mm -hmm. that, that would certainly be more blissful than the state that we live in. And so on some level, I think everything else we might need to to know can can be derived starting from that truth of our own mortality that's sort of the fundamental truth. that that's very interesting you know uh i mean i've never thought that way but when i think about it uh, uh you know i will be probably happier right if i didn't know the fact i'm going to die someday mm -hmm. i mean that anxiety I, I feel like that anxiety is lurking you know at the back mm -hmm. of our mind all the time Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so if, if we kind of use that as the fundamental mm -hmm. knowledge that we have and to then derived, okay, well, what, what knowledge, what other knowledge might I need to cultivate to make my journey to death, my well-being better, more, more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and this is where, we're in this kind of confusing place because I think that when there's so many, we're seeing so many people vulnerable to conspiracy theories, um, even to the point of invading the Capitol based upon just total rubbish. I mean, mm -hmm. nothing but just utter, utter rubbish mm. um, that the election was fraudulent, that, you know, these voting machines were hacked, that, I mean, it, it's nothing but a mountain of lies that then, you know, people took all these reckless actions on. And many people's lives are going to be over. I mean, one woman was shot in the neck and she died. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that obviously to protect ourselves against that, we do need a, a lot of knowledge. We, we probably need to know like how technology works, how basic science works, how the government works. We, mm. we we, we need some foundational knowledge just to be resilient to the vast amount of just insane stupidity that's mm. out there circulating amongst society. Mm -hmm. Including, you mean like including the knowledge about how this particular group works, right? What are they doing and things like that. Intelligence about, you know, their... 
I guess so. Unfortunately, like I would, I would, I would rather not know about QAnon. Like I would much rather know nothing about QAnon because it's literally a waste of time. I mean, okay, it it's, but at the same time, and and this gets into um, maybe some other topics that I know we we might talk about today, mm-hmm. but but we have to know about poison in our environment, just like in the past the knowledge that we had to have was around what berries to pick off the bush at, and eat. Mm, mm. You know, now that knowledge work is done for us. There's companies that provide our food to us. Hopefully they don't give us poison. Most of the time they don't. So we don't need to know about that, but we need to know about these other toxins in the environment. And certainly right now there's this toxin Q and on. That's like, I mean, it's as ubiquitous as poisonous berries were in agricultural society. I mean, there it's just it's right around the corner. Mm. Mm. And mm. and so we do have to have this knowledge of of what are the poisons in our environment, unfortunately. So are you saying that uh some of the knowledge we just assume, you know, based on a certain level of trust? Uh, you know, it's 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 packaged or it's developed, uh, you know, in a way that uh, you know benefits us, and that we don't have to worry about uh, so much. But there's that other knowledge uh, that may, you know, that you know that is so critical that piece of information that might threaten our survival. Uh, you know, that leads to death that kind of start to bubble up to the, to the top. Yeah. That, that fundamentally, I mean, that key word that you said was, was trust mm. and, and that, that there's clearly a breakdown in, in knowledge in, in our society when people trust QAnon people trust this anonymous person who posts on some ridiculous website on the internet. Yeah. Over experts with, you know, education experience with, you know, who are published authors and, yes. and, you know, um, domains of expertise. And I'm not saying that these people who are experts should, should just be blindly trusted. Obviously, we should be critical about everything, but the fact that we're that this is the state that we're in, where it seems like about a third of the country now trust this anonymous voice that no one knows who this person is. It could be like <laughs> no right. one knows who it is. Yeah, who, who speaks in riddles and cryptic, cryptically mm-hmm. uh, about things with no evidence. That then people just use their kind of minds and paranoid fantasies to fill in the blanks yes and and then create this mass psychosis that that's now in the world there's clearly a breakdown in in trust like that that there is obviously a relationship between trust and knowledge that we can't underestimate and so i think what you're bringing up is that there's this fundamental aspect of trust that in the absence of trust, it doesn't really even matter what knowledge 
is available because if people don't trust where that knowledge is coming from, it's, it's rendered inert. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I think uh, now, you know, we're exploring the connection between trust and the knowledge uh, in, in Laozi's mind. Do you think that in his, you know, do you think that uh, more knowledge uh, in his view will lead to a, 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 a breakdown of trust? Well, that could very well be it. That, you know, when, if you keep things simple, you know, this is kind of the, um, maybe some of the arguments for Confucianism. And, and I don't think that they're bad arguments. Mm. That our culture is built upon shared knowledge. Any culture is built upon shared knowledge. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and and notice that I said shared knowledge, not shared truths. Okay. What's uh, tell tell us the the distinction or difference? Well, so Confucianism, you know, we know that there's there's these roles that are prescribed. Mm-hmm. But we also have to admit they're arbitrary. I mean, w- w- the way that people were supposed to relate to each other, as spelled out by Confucius, was arbitrary. Mm-hmm. I mean, y- you could have easily have reconfigured that system of roles a million different ways. Yes. So they're not truths. They're not universal truths. Right. They're constructed. But the point is, everyone agreed to them. Yeah, it's a, like a, a norm, like a it's custom, a right? Yeah. It's a norm. Okay. So, okay, now I understand the shared truth and and shared knowledge or yeah. shared practice. Uh, what is it? Okay. Uh, feng su, uh, xi, uh, xi guan. 对, feng su, xi guan. Yeah. 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 So, okay. so without that, um, knowledge um, seems to just create more more chaos. That if, if we don't have, you know, cultural customs and that we all agree upon on how we're going to relate to one another. Right. Knowledge just then becomes weaponized and, and it's, it's no longer helpful to anyone. It's just used to attack each other. Yes. Yes. mm -hmm. So in that sense, then knowledge, uh, just like technology itself, it's kind of a neutral, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it depends on, how we use it or how that knowledge is used. Yeah. Right. Relative to our human objectives. Yeah. And, and this is where I think, you know, the left has to share a big part of the blame and what's happening in in the country, because as, um, as postmodernism has taken over academia and, and intellectual thought, I mean, it, like Noam Chomsky said, you know, postmodernism isn't even false. Interesting. So you're saying that whether it's the left or right, on the two extremes, in essence, they are more or less the same, right? Just a different, different things. You know, we, we can accuse of like Trump of these lies or the, uh, well, uh, take, to take the sting out of that mm-hmm. word, Maybe those are lies, are just uh, ridiculous, extreme assertions, right? More extreme than sometimes uh, relative to the norm. 
the shared knowledge versus uh, shared truth. Okay, mm-hmm. so so the 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 things you describe you are describing here, it sounds to me that those two things uh, have some kind of attention. It seems like the mm-hmm. you know like say the liberals or the leftist uh, in their desire to find that fundamental whatever fundamental truth. They are doing so at the no, at the expense of of certain shared truth, a uh, shared knowledge, uh, what we call norms, mm. right? Mm. It, it's it sounds to me those are one is the kind of the more intellectual frontier, the other is how the day and day day to day functioning of a society, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on some shared knowledge. Yeah, the the difference between you know a philosopher writing a book and, you know, the average Joe who just is trying to work his job and feed his family. Right. Do you think that was, that could be uh, logically, even though we know Lao Tzu didn't uh, live in our age, right? But mm-hmm. logically or intuitively, uh, uh, or intuitively, I don't know whether he could, uh, you know, through logic argument, Right. But mm-hmm. intuitively, know there's the tension that we are experiencing today. So, in other words, I feel like in certain chapters of Lao Tzu, he talked about shengren uh, and wisdom in a in in a more positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, I could remember mm-hmm. uh, one uh, uh, one uh, verse is "知人者智，知己者明." Uh, uh, when you know other people or other things, we call that wisdom, mm. right? When you know yourself, we call it uh, uh, enlightenment. Uh, mm. That's one mm. verse. The other verse is, um, uh, I think he talks about a lot about shengren. Mm. But in another chapter, he talked about, you know, you have to get rid of that kind of wisdom of mm. or sagehood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people keep people simple. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he was also talking uh, in such a way, in a, in a, not in a kind of a black and white way, mm-hmm. but more kind of acknowledging, I don't know whether he explicitly acknowledging the tension we're talking about here, but he obviously, he saw, you know, some kind of difficulty in reconciling the two so so in mm-hmm. other words maybe shengren by its own nature needs to be more in a small group uh or mm-hmm. is like in a small group it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be expand at a, such a ne- level so at the societal level or maybe with the majority of people there is a need to keep that shared knowledge. Uh, you know, you know. There's this in recent years. There's this uh, uh, book, uh, The Sapiens, right? Mm-hmm. The scholar from uh, Hebrew University wrote about throughout human history, mm-hmm. we are constantly in order to accommodate greater level of collaboration. Mm-hmm. We are constantly creating stories or narratives or even myths. Mm-hmm. For people to rise above their tribes, mm-hmm. so that's the kind of the sheer knowledge, right? 
maybe you know in in our discussion you know that's the kind of shared knowledge that everybody agreed upon but not necessarily that shared knowledge necessarily has to be the ultimate truth but it has a functional role to keep us together mm-hmm. but you cannot in other words <laughs> you cannot like really scrutinize it like a scholar and and un- unpack it uh, to the level that you find that shared knowledge doesn't have a fundamental un- uh, a foundation to it so i feel like these yeah. two things may not work together in order to survive or or evolve as a species we do need that shared knowledge but maybe there's a small individuals who are always there like uh they they they, they you know, not unlike the majority of people we do, we have our daily jobs. We have a kind mm-hmm. of an ordinary life to live. Maybe mm-hmm. there's only small people who are always like, uh, like at the frontier of the human uh, odyssey or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there there was a lot of gems and, and what you were saying. And two that were really stood out to me, one about the sage operating in smaller groups mm-hmm. and and if you look at again kind of Lao's time I mean we were villages we weren't you know trying to get 400 million people to all think and and kind of sus- using shared societal norms I mean 400 million people from you know different religions, races, sexual orientations, backgrounds, economic class and status. And, and we think, you know, that, that there can be a sage that can, can speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's ludicrous. Um, we would probably need, you know, 40 million sages. So, um, I think that that's great what you're you're saying to to kind of bring that to the surface that the sage is is situated in a context of his you know tribe his his village his you know small group um or or her small group obviously I've I've said his but clearly women and men who want to be sages were talking about how they function within their 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 smaller group and i think that's a really important point it's relative right it's relative yeah. it's all contextual uh how can you call somebody a sage if everybody's a sage <laughs> everybody's right. claiming a sage right which is where we're at now right like my opinion is is equal to your opinion and your opinion is equal to my opinion and we all kind of have um we can make up whatever sort of thing we we want and it should be equally valid yeah and then you don't have any uh standard or i mean when we kind of go back to history, I feel like most of the human history uh, is not uh, it's not like our, our time. Mm-hmm. Our time, uh, I don't know how many years back, suddenly, I think to a, a lot of extent, we, you and I and others all believe that we individually have the potential to be a, a kind of a 
a sage or to 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 be all that we can be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fundamental belief of uh, uh, Western freedom mm-hmm. and uh, democracy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the people, let's say, in Thailand. You know, I visited Thailand uh, mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked my uh, my friend uh, who worked that uh, there at that time why you know certain individuals they are so i mean they don't uh, uh they don't they don't complain they're so contented with living you know by the dirty rivers mm. uh part of the explanation is you know in their culture they believe uh you know they are going through this uh, cosmic uh you know uh, uh journey right mm. so this is their lot Or their uh, destiny in this lifetime. So instead of like doing something about it, uh, you know, they 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 are just like living with it, and then hopefully they die and they migrate uh, into another form. I mean, that's unbelievable. Even like to people, I say, wow, Chinese don't think about that. You know, after the the communists took over, you know, Mao created, a, a, you know, a, even. Created a, 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 a kind of a belief that you can do it. Women can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, in the traditional society, women are supposed to be, you know, at home, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, uh, in order to for uh, for Mao to unleash the uh, human potential, right, mm-hmm. to uh, fulfill that ambition, uh, he said, "Oh, women are so powerful; they can hold half of the sky." Mm-hmm. So all these kind of beliefs, I feel like, in recent modern history, uh, I don't know consciously or unconsciously, we are creating it. It's almost like everybody is the same. You know, we are all have the same endowments and the same circumstances to create that ultimate. But the reality is not. I mean, reality is. We end up all somewhere in this life journey, and uh, we 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 never feel uh, good enough. Mm. So that's where I feel the anxiety and uh, lack of psychological safety is in our society. Mm-hmm. That maybe a myth has been created in recent times. That put everybody is the same. Like through knowledge,、mm. we all going to have the same power,、mm-hmm. which is maybe never true in the first place in nature or、mm. in early、uh, longer time of society. I mean, just yeah, obviously, yeah. it's not. I mean, you. I mean, we have. I think it's great to aspire to that. You know, the, to to kind of make everyone believe. You know, that you have a. A chance, but then there is reality, and you look at reality,、um, even in the in 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 the wild, which which we're in. Even though civilization can make us pretend that we're not, but if you went and walked in to the savanna, you know you'd quickly find out that you're going to have some sharp teeth and and your flesh rip, ripping you to pieces quite quickly. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and in that place, you you look at. When you have a field of of prey animals, are all of those prey animals 
running at the same speed with the same agility and the same capacity when the lion jumps out and starts chasing them? Obviously not. You know, there's, there's some that are fast and quick and get away, but then there's some that are a meal and they don't live up to their potential or Mm -hmm. maybe, or obviously they did live up to their potential. They, they, they died in that moment that a predator crushed them and, and turned them into, um, it, it's resources to survive another day. And, and that's the reality. And I, and I think that that is the case that, you know, we, when we, when we keep hearing this message that there's a book by Russ Harris called the happiness trap, and Mm -hmm. it's an excellent book and it, and it, and it points to what you're saying, this, this notion that, like happiness in a certain way as prescribed by, you know, our, our shared idea uh, about um, what we should all be aspiring to makes people feel that way, that, that they're not good enough, that, that, that their life isn't good enough and that things aren't good enough. Kind of like how you're talking. And the reality is, is that no, not everyone's life is going to, look that way most people's lives aren't going to look that that way they're going to look um drastically drastically different than that um picture that that gets painted and and it's the same way in in other species i mean it's just we aren't all going to have the same outcomes yeah yeah so true so i feel like that's the the that's the struggle. That's the painful experience we are uh, coming to uh, terms with after such a long time. Uh, maybe in our mind, you know, we don't stop fighting for is we continue to believe that, you know, maybe I'm going to be the, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. going to be the, the, the winner, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if yeah. not everybody, I mean, I'm sure in certain uh, segments of the society, uh, people uh want to uh live a more realistic life mm-hmm. but also they couldn't because everybody else is trying to uh you know run that race there's mm-hmm. also a fear that if everybody is also running that race what if i get marginalized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you know i don't have any space to live anymore so the, all that kind of psychological uh, arms race, I would just describe it, is going on. That creates mm-hmm. a lot of frictions and uh, societies mm-hmm. uh, we're experiencing right now. Yeah, and I think this is a different type of, of knowledge. And this is where you know, a lot of the people on, on the left who maybe they are sort of being affected by a sort of chaotic mm-hmm. way of 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 thinking th- that isn't helpful this is where there's certain knowledge from um in this area that i think is helpful you're talking about being marginalized and i and i think that knowledge of like you know equity equity you know everyone having equity in our society mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while still acknowledging that's not going to equate with the same outcomes Right, right, yeah. But that is an important work to be to be done, and I think 
you know, this is where, again, a, a continuation of those enlightenment values that started uh, a long time ago that, that, that has been working toward that, that, that idea of women, minorities, people of various sexual orientations, they need to have the same equity in the system. They need to be able to participate in the system with that type of, of, of equity that used to only belong to um, white men. And, and, and the knowledge of, of how to do that, I think, is still escaping us. I think language is, is still being used incredibly poorly by people who want to make those changes. I mean, uh, abysmal, abysmal poor choices in language that are being used by people who want everyone to have equity. They're failing miserably at, at that. And I think we need that knowledge of how do we get everyone in the country to see that equity is necessary if we're going to have these shared customs in our society to get us back to a functioning knowledge. You know, how everyone needs to feel as much as possible that they're not being marginalized, as, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned this uh, enlightenment, uh, uh, enlightenment uh, time of history. Uh, do you think at that time people uh, were consciously thinking about, uh, I sort of feel like there's some forces that push the enlightenment ideas into some kind of extreme. Do you think that people during that time, let's say, you know, uh, Jefferson or, uh, you know, uh, Benjamin Franklin and also the bunch of people, intellectuals uh, in uh, Europe during that Enlightenment period, they start to be awakened uh, to the period of or may, maybe the ruling by the church, right? That's the liberating power during that time that suddenly all this uh, fatalism and, uh, uh, you know, the believing destiny that mm -hmm. I described earlier, like, mm -hmm. say, in Thailand, suddenly mm -hmm. that thing become, you know, those stories, people start to question about those. Mm -hmm. So with that, it kind of a start to unleash the human creativity, mm -hmm. which is a positive force mm -hmm. during that time. Definitely. But I feel, yeah, but I feel like after a while, you know, if people just uh, follow that tracks of thoughts uh, to an extreme, that's against the Tao. You know, as you know, the Tao is always the complementary opposites. Mm -hmm. Like say we take a liberal democratic thought or enlightenment thought mm -hmm. to an extreme and say that's all the way it goes. Wouldn't that be against the reality, whatever that reality we're talking about? Yeah, for, for sure. And I think that where it became extreme was in logical positivism. The, the idea that we could create these instruments of measurement and through science and, and reasoning alone, yeah. that we were going to be able to solve all the world's problems. That's where it went. That, that's far. a myth. That's a, that's, that's, a myth. A, that's a myth too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but at the same time, when we talk about modernism, which basically says, you know, there is the scientific method to use to try to, as best we can, describe our environment 
you know, and, and notice I didn't say words like reality or objectivity, mm-hmm. because I think that's where we, we do have to sort of acknowledge our interaction with our environment is still filtered through our organism, which is based upon a very specific nervous system that evolved over billions of mm-hmm. years. We can't access an objective world, but we can more accurately describe the environment that our organisms are, are thrown into using the scientific method. Mm. Beyond that, we still need things like ethics. We still need things like um, philosophy um, and, and morality. And I'll, I'll, I'll swallow my words a little bit while I say this, religion. Mm. Um, because logical positivism, logical positivism has its limits Mm. and and we need these other things to do that. But, but the key thing here is, is that modernism acknowledged that like we knew, we knew that in, in a modernist time that ethics were up for debate and, Mm. and, and we don't need sort of a new, church that's Mm. based upon thinking that's not even falsifiable to to guide ourselves that that that's that's not necessarily and 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 so while the enlightenment rebelled against the church Mm. and went too extreme and saying like hey we can use the tools of logical positivism to solve all of the world's problems then there was a reaction to that, that now is this sort of um, n- new um, way of thinking that's emerging that also requires sort of like a, uh, um, a faith to it. Mm. And, 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 and that's going too far. And so kind of, I think the Taoist who's looking at that and looking at these spectrums again of, you know, blind faith in this, going to blind faith in that, and then mm. blind faith to this, and and that pendulum, and the form that it takes, continues to change. But going back to how how we really started this discussion, where we were talking about Lao Tzu leaving us in this space of ambiguity, and we we kind of agreed, like, yeah, if if we didn't have that shared space of ambiguity, it wouldn't be as beautiful of a text. And, and that's the thing that, um, all of these reactions where we, we keep swinging from one pendulum to the other around having blind faith in something in the middle, there's the Tao, there's the Taoist, there's ambiguity, there's recognizing like, we're not, we, we don't need truth. We don't need objective reality. We, what we need is, is, an awareness of how we're situated in our environment, how, how we are in relation to each other and some shared agreements on how we're going to relate to each other so that we can create harmony. That's well said. I've, I almost feel like Lao Tzu is talking to, uh, to us in the modern age and say, Hey, are you so sure about that? Think Mm. more about that. Mm. Right. Mm. That's, that's why he said, Mm. So we are the ones, you know, we're situated, you know, 
in, in this kind of in the universe, we tend to, um, you know, I think the more the greater awareness of uh, uh, why we think and how we think. I think that's the ultimate. That awareness is ultimate light that mm. maybe guide us through this universe. I feel, and, and, and the way yeah. that we are, we are in a sorting mode right now. We're just like oh, like a spinning the wheel and and all chaotic. But I feel like uh, as we talked about this, even through sometimes through the the, the pains and the conflicts or the tensions, uh, some kind of light is going to spark and then that will kind of a that insight will guide us forward that would be lovely and 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 so you know where we landed i feel like really helps me give a more definitive answer to what you asked me in the beginning which is that you know i want to see sure as as awareness not certainty not truth, mm. not an accumulation of vast amounts of, of knowledge, but an accumulation of, of awareness, uh, an, an exercise of awareness, a, a, um, an amplifier of awareness that extends not just into my own past and history and the path that I've laid with my own feet, but into the paths of all of the other people that I encounter in my life, knowing that how, how we've arrived at this same place is vastly different from one another. And that my path that I've walked is just mine and, and, an awareness that, you know, everyone else has also their path and, and trying to keep increasing that awareness of, you know, what's that space in the middle? What do we need in between each other so that we can have harmony instead of all this weaponized knowledge? You know, that's the kind of awareness that I think Jur is. I mean, I think Jur is that. Yeah, and also remember that awareness. We all, uh, we are all endowed in different uh, proportion. In other words, even that awareness is not going to be evenly distributed. Let's mm -hmm. let's not create another illusion that uh, maybe we can grow a little bit individually, maybe uh, grow, grow more as a human species. Mm. Uh, but again, with that awareness, there's also the mm. non-awareness that, yeah. th that is defining us as a human. Yeah. And knowing that is also important. I, I think that's a, a, uh, an, an important point, and, and I'm glad you said it. Okay. So uh, I think building upon what we're discussing today, uh, maybe next time we can continue to bring, you know, what we discuss into our, you know, personal lives and maybe the lives of uh, our listeners. Maybe we can have a discussion. You know, there's certain questions we haven't yet had a chance to cover today, but we can, uh, you know, advance this discussion further based on, you know, some of the things uh you know that we that uh came up in our discussion today that'd be nice that's it for today and really enjoy this uh discourse with you around this this topic and also very timely topic again thanks david thanks <laughs>